the Treasures Within podcast. I'm your host, Jojo G, success coach and multi-passionate creative. If your goal is to create a business and life from your passions, plural, this show is for you. Join me every week to learn the mindset shifts, business strategies and creative habits that empower you to fulfill your calling, master your mindset and blast through the limiting beliefs that keep you stuck and broke so you can build a thriving business from your passions and enjoy more freedom and abundance in your life. Remember, the world needs all your gifts, not just one. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Treasures Within podcast. Today I have a very special guest with me, Tamina Ferdus, copywriter coach at Candy Phrases. I'm really excited about this interview because copywriting is a key skill for entrepreneurs and yet many shy away from it because they don't want to sound too salesy or sleazy or they just don't think they are good enough writers. Tamina has a completely different approach to copywriting. She believes in ethical, anti-sleaze, story-driven copywriting and that everyone can write the sales copy even if the thought of writing anything at all makes you want to hide in your pillow fort. If you are struggling to get your message across or feel uncomfortable with the traditional copywriting approach, this interview is for you. In it, Tamina shares how to write compelling copy without being sleazy and top tips for entrepreneurs who are writing copy for the first time, the most common mistakes people make when writing their own copy and so much more. This is such a value-packed interview, so let's get started. Hello, Tamina, and welcome to the show. I am so happy that you are here because, as you know, our audience is multi-passionate creatives and they are really struggling with the messaging, they are really struggling with the copy and what to say, and I think you're going to give them so much value just sharing how to write, how to speak to your customers and your clients and your audience so that you can truly connect with them. So welcome. And why don't you start by telling people your story that you got started. Hi, Georgia. I'm uh, Tamina, as you introduced me already. <laughs> so thank you so much for having me on the show. I am so, so, so excited to be here. So uh, I am a copywriter and a copywriting coach. Uh, specifically, I'm an ethical copywriter and ethical copywriting coach. We will talk about what that means in a little bit. Uh, my company is called Candid Phrases. I started it in like right in the middle of the pandemic towards the end of 2020. And um, here I am. I have had the opportunity to work with some amazing coaches and course creators who have, you know, pushed me, challenged me, and we have, you know, learned from each other. It's, it's been great. And now I am kind of on a mission to uh, eradicate, you know, sleazy copywriting and sleazy sales tactics from how we do business and also help new entrepreneurs who are just starting out. And like you just said, uh, you know, especially if you're multi-passionate, you have a lot of trouble with how to craft your messaging because you wanna talk about everything. You wanna talk about all the different things that you're interested in. And you think they're all important because they are all important. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I kind of help new entrepreneurs have the clarity about what is the message that they're trying to get across and how to put it on paper and um, also how to communicate in a way that is clear and doesn't kind of, you know, leave any room for confusion. So that's basically the overview of what I do. (laughs) Well, I love the emphasis on ethical and not lazy copy. And we're definitely going to talk about them soon. But before I want to ask you, how did you know that this is the thing that you want to do right now? Because I know that you're passionate as well, aren't you? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I I think the first time I came across the term multi-passionate, it was like a revelation because uh, all the time I was like, you know, I was doing different things and I was, and people would say, ask questions like, what's your passion? What makes you get up in the morning? What do you want to do for the rest of your life? And I'm like, I don't have that one thing that I want to do for the rest of my life because, you know, I, there are like so many things that I like. I I like writing. I like teaching. I like, you know, singing badly in my kitchen. (laughs) So yeah, there are just just so many things and you can't just pick one and be happy with it for the rest of your life. So the how of I came into my copywriting is 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 a very roundabout you know it's been a long and roundabout route so I started off at university as an engineering student (laughs) my undergrads I started off as an engineering student but halfway through college I changed my major to English literature and then I graduated in English literature, but, and, and then I went on to work as a literature teacher in a high school. And then I worked at my alma mater for a while. Um, <clears throat> and I loved that. I loved teaching and it was amazing. I loved interacting with the students and having conversations with them. You know, it was just always being in that intellectual space was very exciting for me, but I then came to realize that <clears throat> teachers aren't valued as much as they deserve to be because I am here where I am right now thanks in a very large part to my teachers who just like you know taught me basically a lot of the stuff I know (laughs) so it, it it just it was just kind of very disheartening for me that you know they don't pay teachers a proper living wage and that was terrible so After that, I had to leave that job because, you know, I had bills to pay and I started working for this international nonprofit, which was like a better paying job. And I worked there for four years and I learned a lot of things. I was um, I, I gathered a lot of different skills, like I was in fundraising, so I would be writing these grant proposals to like, you know, donors like the European Union and European Commission and DFID in the UK. And we would I like I would <clears throat> write those grant proposals that would basically convince these organizations to fund our projects then that was my job and like I won my organization millions and millions of dollars <laughs> through these grants and it for a while it was very um for a while it was very what's the word I'm looking for uh, fulfilling for a while it was very fulfilling but then that itch came back like this is not where I'm meant to be and I, then I was all of a sudden I was miserable and you know I wanted to like, I I dreaded going to work. I 
just dreaded getting up in the morning and having to dress up and go to work. And, you know, even though my teammates were the loveliest people ever, <laughs> so no complaints there, but I was still miserable. And I was so miserable that I started looking into other ways of making money. So I looked into several different things. I looked into uh, the Amazon FBA business model. I looked into virtual assistants. I looked into publishing and all of these things. So um, those I like, you know, Amazon, I studied that for a while, but that didn't really align with my values at the moment. So I went for virtual assistants. And initially I thought it was going to be amazing. But then I slowly realized that the virtual assistants world is just like to be to be blunt, very racist. Because I am from um, Bangladesh and people, I, I had people telling me, why should I pay you $20 an hour? Because you don't need $20 an hour. You are in Bangladesh. Uh, I'll, I'll, like you should be happy with $5 an hour or $3 That's an awful. hour. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. That is awful. No one deserves that. The question is that we pay for what you're worth. Exactly. Exactly. So, um <clears throat> And it's sad because there are um, virtual assistants from my part of the world who are working at this kind of rates because, you know, at the end of the day, you have to put food on your table and sometimes you're out of options. So you have to take whatever is given to you. And so I was lucky that I still had my nine to five where, which I could like, you know, depend on for like a recurring salary. So I was like, no, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to be judged by where I'm from or what the color of my skin is or you know what my first language is. Um, <clears throat> so I, I can write copy just as good as somebody who's born in the US or somebody who's born in the UK. I want to be judged for my skill. I want to be judged for what I bring to the table. <clears throat> so that's when I stopped calling myself a virtual assistant. Even though as a virtual assistant, I was doing mostly content writing work. So it was mostly writing work. Um, I, it's not that everybody was terrible. I did have a couple of, you know, people who were really nice. Like I was working with this um, other um, business owner from UK. She was a lovely lady. We still keep in touch and everything. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, but eventually I had to move on from that. And I was for a while, I was just frantic about what should I do? What should I do? And then I was like, you know what? I'm I am not here to be anybody's assistant. I, I, I'm, I'm a business owner. And so that's when I kind of rebranded myself as a copywriter and I moved from content writing to copywriting. Um, so the, the fun part about owning a copywriting business is that it kind of makes use of so many of my interests because I get to teach as a copywriting coach. I get to go online. I have a Facebook group where I go and teach people how to write ethical copy. And I have my love for writing. I do that. And my love for just like, you know, coming up with plans and making these fun scenarios inside my head and just like, uh, coming up with strategies. I love doing that. So <clears throat> So far, I think copywriting has been like, you know, serving me really well. <laughs> so that's my very roundabout journey into copywriting. But the thing is, even when I got into copywriting, I was, you know, very upset by how most copywriting is very sleazy and in my opinion, manipulative and unethical. So I had to go into that whole journey of, you know, looking into a kinder approach and coming up with my own way of doing copywriting, which I felt was ethical, but still converted just as well so yeah 
actually inspiring story and it's just you know amazing like when you own yourself when you know your worth and refuse to settle then you can create the right business for you and incorporate all your passions into it and I also love what you said about again this ethical copywriting because I come from my background for a long time was in the beauty industry and the way the beauty industry sells to women is to make women feel ugly and feel unlovable unless they buy this amazing product. And that's such an awful way to actually you know, make money because it doesn't resonate with me. There is another way, like you can sell a moisturizer or a lipstick or whatever you're selling, you know, with that makes a person feel empowered as opposed to actually make them feel like they they are not even worthy of being alive because of the way they look. And I'm sure this Absolutely. applies to this. This is a, this is what I felt like in the beauty industry, but every industry has their own version of this. And where you have to buy my product because you are not good enough, or you are not worthy as you are. So yeah. and so I'm curious to see. And I know this is something that a lot of business owners are being put off by because they're like, I want to promote my product. So I know that I can do good work, that I want to help people, I want to have an impact. But if I have to do it by writing this copy that makes people feel awful about yourself, yeah. I don't want to do it. So what is a more ethical and more compassionate way? Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up because you know I was going to talk about it as well. Like when I first started interacting with other uh, coaches and other women in particular in the online business space, I found that so many of them had amazing offers, which could like really help people out there, but they were not really marketing it. And I, I was like, why are they not doing that? And then I realized that they are very scared of writing sales copy. And the reason that they're scared of writing sales copy is that they don't want to come across as salesy. They don't want to come across as pushy. And I think as a as women, we are kind of taught that kind of narrative that, oh, you know, don't, don't like, you know, don't be assertive or be, because if you're assertive, then you're bossy. If you're uh, clever, then you're manipulative, you know that entire narrative that somehow specifically just applies to women. <laughs> so yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I spoke to all these different women in the online business space, and they were all so scared of coming across as salesy. And I completely understood why, because existing examples of copywriting that they see in the online business space is very salesy, is very sleazy and pushy and manipulative and unethical. So I kind of went on a whole detour of trying to figure out how to do it better. Um, so for example, let, let me just give you an example. A very common copywriting formula is problem agitate solve yes. so you yeah so you come up with like you talk about a problem that your potential audience may be having then you agitate the problem so that whole agitate is where you make your audience feel bad about having that problem <laughs> for example I actually sent out an email to my list just this morning about this exact thing so yesterday I was watching a YouTube video which was talking about why 95% of copywriting businesses fail. And I was like, okay, that looks interesting. I'll click on it and watch. And uh, so the way the host begins the video goes something like, the good news is uh, people can make a lot of money from copywriting. The bad news is the person making that money is probably not going to be you. Oh no. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's <how> I know. <laughs> I know. 
it's terrible and like you know the alarm bells just went off in my head and I was like oh this is a classic classic example of problem agitate solve and I have to talk to my list about it so that's what I did this morning I sent them out like your broadcast email talking about this entire thing so So the problem is 95% of copywriting businesses fail. The agitated part is you're going to fail. And the solved part is unless I help you. (laughs) So I was like, you know, a better way of doing it is problem, empathize, empower, guide. All of that. (laughs) So that's that's my more kinder approach to copywriting. So problem, 95% of copywriting businesses fail. Um, Empathize. Yes, I understand that that's a very scary prospect if you're just starting out because, you know, you're new to the space and you have so much to learn and everybody else is, you know, doing so very well already. But the thing is, you don't have to be right there with them just at the exact moment that you start. You're allowed to take your time. You're allowed to learn the skills. You're allowed to implement them over time. So that's the empathize. You, they have a problem and you empathize with it instead of agitating it. And then you empower them by saying, okay, so you are a copywriter. You already have the skill of copywriting. All you need is to just employ a few marketing hacks or like, you know, a few marketing strategies that work for you. And then the 95% is just a number. You're not a number. You're more than a number. And then you guide and be like, okay, let me, let me help you. How, let me show you how. So this model doesn't, uh, you know, tell people that unless I help you, you're going to be a loser for the rest of your life. Because that's the, like, who, who wants to be taught to like that? I don't. <laughs> oh, I don't either. No one does. And it's crazy that that's what we get talked about all the time. No one likes it, but it's the norm. It's crazy. Exactly, exactly. And like you said, the beauty industry and the fashion industry, I feel like, you know, just product, products marketed towards women in general are the worst defaulters like Absolutely. slimming te- slimming teas and um, um uh, detox juices and that help you lose weight and you know the clothes that only come in up to like size 10 or something like i i am a uk size uh, i fluctuate between a 16 and an 18 and a lot of the times when i go to the store it's just the ugliest clothes that are like left on the rack that are for my size. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so like the world is punishing me for being plus sized essentially. And <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, the entire fashion industry, beauty industry and health and weight loss industry kind of punishes women for being who they are or looking like what they look like. But it even though they are the worst defaulters, it's not just them. It's every industry, like, you know, the tech bros and the bro marketers going like, oh, you're poor and you're going to stay poor unless you do exactly as I tell you. Oh, yeah. I've seen that <laughs> so many times. And let's be honest now, because when these tactics of the time and, you know, we have fallen for them. Or I know that I bought things advertised this way because everything is advertised this way so you can't uh, that's what's available at the time it's really disempowering because that product does not solve the problem and you are left with okay at some point you actually stop buying actually stop engaging because you internalize that the problem is you 
as opposed yeah. to you actually being selling me nonsense all this time. But mm-hmm. I love your approach because it's an empowering way. There is something that, okay, I have the problem and there is something that I can actually do to get what I want. You're not telling me that there is something wrong with me. There is a problem, but I'm not the problem. And I can take action and you can empower me and you, and you can help me believe in myself so that I can actually achieve exactly. my goals. Yeah. <clears throat> exactly. Absolutely. Yes. So that's, and I think, you know, it really resonates with like the women entrepreneurs a lot. And, uh, you know, and I, I keep saying women, but a lot of the men out there as well, like one of my biggest clients is a, is a uh, straight white man, but who is like very much into these values. And I, you know, I pr- appreciate him for that. But yeah, like, <clears throat> Usually I feel like a lot of the, because, you know, predominant women are just getting into like the whole business thing, right? Uh, in our grandmother's generation, how many business women were there? Not many, no, maybe man. a handful at best. <laughs> so I feel like a lot of the established business practices are very much rooted in um, a kind of toxic masculinity. Absolutely. And yeah and um this whole idea of bending your audience to your will and i feel like that's not how we do business anymore and since our values have changed our um what 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 is important to us have has changed our culture has shifted to a more kinder approach our copywriting needs to shift with it Absolutely. because otherwise Exactly. Because otherwise you might really care about your audience, but the only way that you have seen copy being written is in these manipulative ways. And then you write it and then it doesn't align with your, you know, with your vision. So, yeah. So that's why we need this ethical copywriting approach now to, to um, basically detoxify the online market space. Yes. I am so glad that you mentioned that. We also need more diversity. Again, my background is in beauty. I'm sure it applies to other industries as well, but in beauty, the people who make the decisions, they are white men who have never spoken to a woman about her issues, about (laughs) how she feels, about what she wants. They just assume that they know. And as I said, it's all about goal-oriented to, I need to make this amount of money. So how can I make that happen? How can I bend enough women to my will to make that happen? Yeah. And it's really important to have this conversation, but also to have more diversity in the industry and to have more voices, more from different backgrounds so that everyone gets heard. And you actually base the copy on what people, what your customer, what you really want, as opposed to what you think will make them buy quicker. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So maybe, you know, if I I feel like if you use the whole sleazy copywriting approach, you get quick results. Yes. But I feel like they're more likely to be one off results because, you know, at one point your audience will catch on to your uh, whole shtick. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And then they'll be like, no, this person is just like their main motive is selling. Their main motive is not to help me. And that's not what we're doing anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And can I just say that you don't just damage yourself because people will stop buying from you, but you also damage the industry as a whole because people become skeptical. And so 
even if you actually are heart-centered and you know you have a good brother want to help, it becomes much harder. So there is a huge need for ethical copy, absolutely. And I am so glad that you are taking the lead and helping pave this new revolution, new way of doing things. Thank you. Thank you. And I would like to mention that, you know, while I am uh, one of the probably one of the first people to do it. And I'm very happy to say that I am not the only one because I have met other ethical copywriters out there. And it was amazing to just know that, okay, I'm not like, you know, I'm not fighting a losing war. There are other people joining in. And that's, that's amazing. That's, that's an amazing thing to know. Yes. That's wonderful. We need them. The more people, the better. I always say that there is no competition. We all need to work together to change status quo. Another common block that women have when writing copy is that they don't feel good enough writers. They don't have the degree in writing, and so they don't feel qualified. Do you have any advice for... Yes. Let's hear it. Yes, absolutely. And this is one of one of the most basic things that I coach on all the time. I have a degree in English literature, but and and that's why I thought copywriting was going to be a piece of cake, you know, when I started writing, because like, you know, oh, I have written content and I have written um, uh, uh, like creative fiction and I have written academic papers, obviously, and I've written like grant proposals and everything. So how hard can copywriting be? Right. But when I when I started learning copywriting, I realized that it's a whole different ballgame and my fancy words are not going to help here. Like all the SAT words that I have been using (laughs) in all my writing all these days, they don't help because the idea of writing copy is not to sound impressive. It's not to sound clever. It's not to sound fancy. The idea of writing copy is that you're audience has a problem that you're trying to solve. So I say that, and then when I start, start, so I had to do a lot of unlearning before I could start, you know, learn writing copy. And I feel like if you don't have a degree in writing, it's actually an advantage because you're not, you know, burdened with all the traditional writing rules that have been so ingrained in your head by English teachers I mean bless them they had they have done amazing things for me but (laughs) copywriting I had to learn from scratch (laughs) so yeah and the the basic advice that I give people is first of all to embrace the shitty first draft because people feel like I call this the blinking cursor syndrome so for example you just want to write copy and you open up a blank document and you just want your first sentence to be perfect you want because you know you you feel like a lot depends on it you and a lot does depend on it completely understandable but a lot doesn't depend on your first draft a lot depends on you know that a lot depends on the fact that you keep writing copy that you keep launching your courses or or your programs or your products and you keep understanding your audience over time and you keep resonating with them so this is like a process that takes time and you know it's it's not something magical like you'll just sit down at your laptop and you're going to write the perfect copy in one go it doesn't happen even even if you have been writing copy for years right So I say embrace the shitty first draft. So when you sit down, 
don't just stare at the blinking cursor and just get stuck. Uh, do a word vomit, whatever comes to your head. It doesn't have to make any sense to another person watching or reading because nobody's going to read it but you. So whatever you want to talk about, about your program, whatever thoughts that you have about your program, just do a word vomit on your Word document. And then from there, you can start rearranging and organizing and editing and adding and subtracting and expanding and shrinking everything that you want to do you can do later on the part so i actually challenge my um, audience to not only embrace the shitty first draft but but to like you know make it a challenge that i will write the shittiest draft possible like you know this will be the worst writing that i have ever written <laughs> And I feel like that takes a lot of the pressure off. <clears throat> so just write whatever uh, you, whatever thoughts that you have about your program. Let's say you want to sell a yoga course. So, you know, what, what is the thought process that's going on inside your mind? Like, what, what do you know about your yoga course? Put everything down on your uh, Word document or your paper. It doesn't have to make sense to anybody but you at this point. <clears throat> So that's the major advice I give to people who feel like they're not writers. I actually recently did a, recently did a training which was titled how to write copy when you're not a writer. <laughs> um, yeah, so there, that's the one thing. And the second thing is focus on clarity, clarity over everything. So, you know, you don't have to sound clever. You don't have to know 101 psychological hacks to persuade people. You don't have to know how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> so you just have to, because, you know, a, a lot of the time, I, the, the reason I say this is because how we reach our audience has really changed over the years. For example, in the Mad Men era, <clears throat> people didn't know who they were writing the copy for, right? Because it was a one-way communication thing. They would just like put an ad on a newspaper and they don't know who the newspaper was reaching. It was all kinds of people. Um, or like it would be on a billboard and you know stuff like that. And those things obviously still exist, but a lot of the copy has shifted to the online space where you know exactly who you're talking to. Like if you're gonna do a Facebook ad, you can do specific targeting. Like this is the kind of person I want to target. So for example, um, <clears throat> you don't have to say it in your copy that, oh, this is for, um, this is for a woman named Shirley who is 35 and wants to join a yoga course because she is sick of her, she's sick of being at home all the time and doing her chores all the time. You don't have to say that. <laughs> you can just say, um, you can just say something like, <clears throat> "You deserve me time. You deserve to, uh, you know, you deserve to feel good about your body. You deserve to, you know." Um, <clears throat> okay, well, you deserve to feel the, the, the inner peace that comes with yoga. So take a moment for yourself. And whoever is going through all of those things is going to immediately know that it's for them, right? So when you talk about clarity, it's just that it's, it has to be very clear to you who you're speaking to. And it's, it has to be very clear to you what you're talking about. So focus on clarity over literally everything else and half your job is done. <laughs> most of your job is done oh that is amazing advice and so true and talking about clarity i feel like that's one of the biggest 
issues for the passionate because they want to do all the things, they're working on multiple projects. And even when you have a business, when you incorporate all the things that you love, they often feel the need to talk about all the different tasks that they do as opposed to mm. the message and what they are selling. So what is their advice for creatives and other passion entrepreneurs who want to communicate to their audience exactly what they do without confusing them and throwing all these things at them at the same time? <laughs> yeah, okay. <clears throat> so that, uh, let's say you are trying to launch your next program and you have a lot of thought process that is going into it. You don't have to put everything in your sales page because your sales page is not the only way that you're reaching our audience. Like you're on social media. Like let's take Instagram alone. Instagram alone has multiple ways in which you can reach your audience. Like they've got stories, they've got posts, like, you know, the picture posts and they have got uh, the carousel posts and now they've got reels and Instagram lives. So that's like what five or six ways to reach your audience through Instagram alone. So <clears throat> the thing is, you know, maybe you just like had this brilliant idea, which is like a clever parable to the course you're launching. And it doesn't really make sense to put it in your sales page. Put it on your Instagram story and link to your sales page. So there are like multiple ways of reaching your audience, right? You can tell the entire story, but it doesn't all have to be in the same place. Well, that is so clever. And yeah, I, I love that because sometimes we get so laser focused on one thing that we forget yeah. that there are actually other options and that you can have a multi-passionate brand. But when it comes to the sales page, it pays, literally pays to be focused on one message and what you're really selling. And talking about the sales page, since you don't have to put everything in it, what are the key elements of a compelling sales page? How do you write that? Right. Okay. So um, there are two ways I approach a sales page. So one way is what I call the story method. And the other way is what I call the question answer method. So the story method is um, if, if you're familiar with the hero's journey, you'll immediately know what I'm talking about. Yes. So uh, yeah. So hero's journey is basically a, a, a model that a lot of different stories follow like you know harry potter star wars and uh lord of the rings and lion the witch in the wardrobe and you know so basically it starts off with the protagonist who has a problem and they don't know how to solve it and then they meet a guide the guide tells them how to go about solving their problem they go on that entire adventure journey and then they come back full circle but having transformed as a person and having grown and you know having new skills and mindset and everything Right. So that's the story approach. So think of your audience as the protagonist. So they have a problem and which they don't know how to solve. You are the guide who has the solution. So you give them the action plan that they go over. And at the end of the journey, they have transformed as a person or they have transformed in whatever aspect that you are trying to help them with. So this is the journey that you have to take your sales page visitor on essentially so they have to relate to being the protagonist and you have to make it very clear like the before and after emotions like I always talk about focus on emotions like what is your protagonist feeling um, <clears throat> and like what are they feeling before they go on this journey and what are they feeling afterwards 
So that's the story approach. That's how you can like, you know, map out your entire sales page. And the second um, thing is actually uh, in like, you know, I feel like the two, two approaches appeal to two different kinds of people. Like I came up with the first one because I'm a literature major and that was the one appealed to me at first. But then I later came up with the question answer approach, which I feel like, you know, appeals to more practical and straightforward people. <laughs> so that is more like just answer, like you're, when somebody visits your sales page, they want some key questions answered. That's what they're here for. So they wanna know, what are you selling? They wanna know who is it for? They wanna know who are you? <clears throat> and they want to know what's in it for them. So once you answer these questions, so your sales page has to answer all of these questions. And, you know, I feel like a very simple approach is to literally just write down the questions as headings and answer them. And that in itself can be a sales page. It doesn't have to follow the templates that you, you know, get from whatever websites are now selling you know, sales page templates. I, I have a personal vendetta against sales page templates, not because they exist, but because of how they're used. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I think sales page templates are great if you know how to personalize them, but I don't think you should ever use them as a 100% plug and play because what that does is forces you to tweak your offer and your message and around the template, whereas you should be doing the other way around, tweak the template to fit your needs. Oh my God, so. yes. <laughs> that is like really good advice. Uh, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because it's so easy when you don't know what you're doing or you, or you as, as we mentioned before, you don't feel good enough yet to actually use these tools, which are, which are okay as scratches. And when you rely on them completely, you can actually fire. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. Because I have worked with... Um, people who um, were using these sales page templates. And I was like, okay, but this part doesn't really make sense in relation to your offer. Why did you put it here? And then they would be like, oh yeah, you, I was using the sales page template and the template had this copy. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was good actually at you to, you know, to actually uh, yeah, sort that out and create a more compelling copy that actually is driven by what your object client needs as opposed to just yeah. some random formula to find online. Exactly. And I, I think templates can be a very good starting point. Like, you know, if you have absolutely no idea what to write, I think templates are something that you can borrow a bits and bits and pieces of your copy from or the general structure from, but talk, use your own words, like talk about it in your own language because all of us have different personalities, right? And we talk in different ways. And I always tell people to write how you talk, write copy the way you would talk to your best friend. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so when you use somebody else's words, it, it doesn't necessarily convey your vision or your excitement or your hopes and dreams for this, you know, so it's it's not necessarily you. So a template is a very good starting place for you to, you know, just like take the, borrow the general structure from or borrow bits and pieces of your copy from, but do not do 100% plug and play, please, because you have so much more inside of you, which deserves to be in your copy. And that is so powerful. And thank you. One of the, before 
roughness of speech, you obviously need to know which projects you are going to prioritize. And so as a multi-patient yourself, how do you decide which projects you are going to focus on in your business? Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, this one is a difficult question because... Um, <clears throat> So I I uh, I have like a buffet of mental health issues. <laughs> like I suffer from clinical depression and anxiety and ADHD. Um, so yeah, so a lot. So there is like no single like you know no day looks like any other day for me. So sometimes I am like hyperactive and I'm doing one thing after another and, you know, just like getting stuff done in my business and making progress. And the next day I am like, you know, I don't have the strength to get out of my bed at all. So what I do is I, um, I plan kind of monthly on a monthly basis. Like I started off like, you know, planning yearly. I think in 2019, I made like a whole annual plan. Okay, this is what I want to do this year. And I didn't do any of that. (laughs) (laughs) In 2020, I was like, okay, you know what? Let's, let's, Let's do quarterly. Let's do quarterly planning because that feels more, you know, manageable. And so what, what happened with the quarterly planning was that I ended up more or less following the plans for the first month of the quarter. And the other two months were just like, you know, like, you know, down the drain. I haven't done anything for the next two months. So, <laughs> so I just realized that it's very difficult for me to kind of, you know, stick to a long-term plan because I am also growing and evolving as my business grows and evolves. I learn more things and I come up with more strategies and come up with more, you know, uh, stuff, which makes my plan, uh, which makes my plan change and evolve as well. So I feel like it's just, uh, especially at the stage that I am, it's, it doesn't make sense for me to plan for the whole year or the whole quarter. So now I'm, I, now I stick to monthly planning. So I was like, okay, this is the one thing that I'm going to focus on this month. And these are the nice to haves. Like this one thing I will absolutely do. And these other five things are nice to have. <laughs> yeah, I, I resonate with that as well. Because when you are creative, it's really better to plan for shorter chunks of time and course correct as opposed to forcing yourself to follow like a year-long plan and then you're either unhappy or you don't follow it anyway. Exactly. (laughs) Which I think we we all can relate to. Exactly. And, you know, I tend to get carried away. I was like, oh, I want to do this, but I also want to do this. And I also want to do that. I want to do these 25 things this month. And then I'm like, okay, Tamina, let's let's get realistic. You're probably going to get done this one thing, realistically speaking, this month. (laughs) So let's focus on that. Yeah, and as long as that is the thing that you truly want to do, that truly lights you up, and you know that that's going to move the needle forward and, and help you reach your goals, that's a lot. That's a lot. Exactly, exactly. So I feel like I have gotten more done this way than I have, you know, planning in long-term chunks. So yeah, I just like let myself... Um, so I, I, you know, I just focus on getting like one priority thing done every day. And if I do anything else, that's a bonus. Yes. That's a bonus. <laughs> I so agree with that. <laughs> um, one question that I ask everyone is, what's one way that multi-passionates can start 
building a business and life around their passions. Okay. Um, that's an interesting and kind of a difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that um, be open to creativity. Um, for example, when I first started university, my initial plan was to be, you know, be a professor in the long run and just like, you know, stay in academia and teach because I loved to teach. Um, and I still love to teach and I'm still teaching, but not in an academic sense. Um, so I, I'm teaching copywriting, but I still get to do what I love just in a different capacity. So be open to doing what you love in new and creative ways. So maybe it's not how you envisioned in the first, um, in, 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 in the first way. For example, um, I think uh, Marie Forleo, uh, she started off as being a dance instructor and you know I know her from her dance instructor I used to like actually follow along to one of her dance videos on YouTube <laughs> anyway <laughs> so <clears throat> yeah but then she moved on to being like a business coach and a cop you know uh, and, and an author but she still does the dancing <laughs> she dances on her lives all the time and she danced danced her way through her book tour so she's still doing that because she loves dancing but she's doing it in a new and more creative capacity so maybe you can't you you're not getting to do what you want to do in the way that you initially planned you would be doing it but there are ways to incorporate it for example I'm incorporating my love for teaching and I'm incorporating my love for writing into my business so yeah think about ways in which um you can just incorporate all the things that you love into the thing that you're already doing. That's the first thing. And the second thing is not everything needs to be monetized. <laughs> I strongly <Good> believe that. <laughs> I strongly believe that not everything needs to be monetized. For example, I love to paint. I find it very medita meditative. I find it very soothing. Uh, I'm not any good at it, but you know, I could be if I practiced. <laughs> Yeah, but the thing is, just because I love to paint does not mean it does not mean that I have to make money from it. <clears throat> I do it for my mental health, and that's okay. And I love to sing, but doesn't mean I have to be a professional singer. I can sing to my friends. I can sing uh, at the. I usually sing at the top of my lungs when I'm cooking. Like you know that I, I pretend like I'm in a concert, and I just like. <laughs> scream like sing sing my heart out, and it, because it's fun to do that. It's fun for me. I don't have to be any good at it. I don't have to, you know, turn it into a skill that I incorporate into my business and turn it into like a money-making thing. It doesn't have to be that way. You can do everything you want. It, you just have to release yourself from the expectations that, oh, I have to do something with it. No, do it because you enjoy it. That's, that's, that should be good enough. Oh, I love that answer. And I think that when you remove that pressure and just give yourself permission to do what you love, you are naturally going to find ways to incorporate your passions into your business. And naturally, you're also going to know naturally what is just a hobby. And you, know, you are given so much value today. I enjoyed this interview and I know that our listeners are going to love it as well. Is there, so. is there, <laughs> Thank you for having me. Is there anything else that you would like to mention before we wrap up? Is there anything else I would like to mention before we wrap up? Yes. Um, so 
basically, uh, if, if you are an entrepreneur, like I'm talking to the listeners right now, if you are an entrepreneur and you're just starting out and you're multi-passionate and you don't know how to, like, you know, every time you write copy, you just feel like this is not good enough. Um, so I have this um, guide it's called seven big steps to better copy and it's free. You can find it on the link in my bio on my Instagram and my TikTok. And <clears throat> what it does is that it gives you seven very quick steps that to give your copy an instant makeover. So you don't have to spend hours and hours and days and days studying copywriting. You can just implement these seven very quick things and they're very little things. You don't even have to spend hours tweaking your copy either. It can be done in under an hour really. And your entire sales page or your entire sales copy will immediately sound more elevated and more, you know, better essentially so I am very proud of that creation and I uh, sometimes my brain is like we need to monetize that and I'm like no it's gonna stay free <laughs> uh, you know, that sounds the guy sounds amazing and uh, so thank you for sharing that and uh, we're also gonna share the link in the show notes for anyone who wants to you know take advantage of that so for anyone that wants to work with you as well and learn more about you where can they find you? Um, okay, so I work with people on two different capacities. One is where I teach you to write your own copy, and the other is where I write your copy for you. So if you want me to write your copy for you, just DM me on Instagram or email me at tamina at candidphrases.com. Um, or if if you wanna if you wanna like look into what programs I'm selling, or if you want to look into um, what courses I am teaching, you can go to the link in my bio on Instagram and TikTok and click on Candid Phrases Shop. That's going to take you to a list of the courses that I have. <clears throat> and also you can come join my free Facebook community, which is it's called Ethical Copywriting with Candid Phrases, where I basically do free copy coaching and I do monthly calls where you get to basically ask me anything and pick my brain. And uh, every Sunday we have we do this thing called self-promote Sunday, where you just like, you know, get to talk about your own offer and, uh, you know, like post your lead magnet, post a link to your sales page, et cetera, and talk about what you're working on. Because I, you know, I, I, I noticed that a lot of, not a lot of, but most Facebook groups really don't allow you to uh, promote your own stuff, which doesn't make sense to me because they are always talking about, oh, we are gonna help you make more clients and make more sales, but you're not allowed to post your own links. Um, so no, we don't do that here. <laughs> Every Sunday, we put on a hashtag self-promote Sunday and we promote our own stuff, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more with you there. So thank you again for coming on the show and for sharing like, your tips on copywriting and also like, your personal story because everything you said is so inspiring. And I know that anyone who's listening is coming away with better knowledge of how to write a sales copy and all the links as well I want to reach you as well are also going to be in the show notes below so thank you very much for being here 
Thank you so much for having me. I had a lovely time talking to you and I hope that whoever is listening gets, you know, a lot like, you know, I tried to give as much value as possible within this one hour that we have and <laughs> I hope it helped and I hope you feel a little more confident about writing your sales copy at this point. <clears throat> so yeah, thank you, Georgia, so much for having me. It was absolutely lovely. Oh, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Isn't it a relief to know that you can write compelling copy that attracts your idea client to you in an ethical way without using any sleazy tactics? As always, everything we mentioned in this episode, as well as the link to download Timina's copywriting guide, are in the show notes below and at the treasureswithin.net. I'd also appreciate it if you could share this episode, leave a rating and a review. It really helps the podcast get found by other motor passionates who need to hear this message too. That's all for today. I wish you a wonderful rest of your day and I'll speak with you again next week. Thank you for listening. Bye for now. Georgia here. I want to take a quick moment to tell you something. A few years ago, I was stuck in what I call strategy hell. I was literally doing everything to grow my business. I was on all the social media platforms, doing webinars, going to networking events, writing blog posts, sending out newsletters, you name it, I did it. And my business was growing at a snail's pace. It was so frustrating because I couldn't have worked any harder. I was already overwhelmed and burned out. Do you ever feel like that? It wasn't until a random encounter with a coach that I realized being in strategy hell is a form of self-sabotage. You think you're doing everything to grow your business. In reality, you're stuck in busy work because you're afraid of what might happen if you went all in or reached your goals. In my case, I had a massive fear that if I became more successful than my family, my friends and my partner, they would love me anymore and they leave me. This fear was buried so deep in my subconscious that I wasn't aware of it until I had a powerful session with my coach. And yet, the fear was running my business and making sure I'd never reached my goal. It was only once I healed the fear that I was able to double my income in a few short months. And my loved one didn't leave me. If you two are working hard, trying all these strategies to go to the next level in your business, you don't need one more strategy. You already have all the strategies you need. If nothing is working, it's because there's a limiting belief that's sabotaging all your efforts. Maybe like me, you're afraid that if you are too successful, you won't fit in with your friends and family anymore and you lose them. Maybe you don't think you are good enough at what you do and they're afraid that if you put yourself out there in a big way, you'll be exposed as a fraud. Or maybe Deep down, you don't believe you're worthy of money and success. Whatever it is, trying to grow a business with these limiting beliefs 
running in your subconscious is like driving a car with a brake on. No matter how hard you try, you are going to stay stuck where you are. If you want to go to the next level in your business and reach those big income and business goals that have eluded you up until now, you must first heal all those limiting beliefs and all stories that are sabotaging you. Once those self-imposed limitations melt away, you'll be able to step out of strategy hell and confidently take action towards your goals. Those tasks that used to feel hard or scary, like going live on Instagram, doing sales calls, or being a regular guest on podcasts, will now feel easy and fun and you'll be able to reach your goals with ease. If you know, deep down, that healing those limiting beliefs and old stories is the missing piece in getting the results and money you want in your business and you are ready to drop the hustle and step into your six figures mindset, I invite you to book a discovery call with me. On the call, you get coaching on the number one limiting belief, the sabotaging your success and keeping you from reaching your next income level. And if we both feel it's a fit, you'll discover how we can work together to heal the limiting beliefs that are sabotaging you, so you can finally build a wildly profitable business from your passions and enjoy financial allocation and time freedom. Remember, the world needs all of your treasures. It's your time to get out of your own way so you can do the work you are meant to do in the world and live a life of freedom on your own terms. These one-on-one calls are limited, so if you are ready to finally make your vision board become your reality, click on the link in the show notes and book in today.